Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Happy almost new year. We made it through 2020. What a crazy year. I hope everyone enjoyed their holidays and was able to take a little time to relax, reflect on the past year, and even make some goals for the upcoming one. Like many quilters, one of my goals for 2021 is to finish more UFOs or unfinished objects. So today we're sharing some great tips for tackling your UFOs and getting them organized in your sewing space. We also chat with the amazing Shannon Gilman Orr, the author of the incredible Plan to Quilt Organizer. So let's dive in. We're a few days away from the new year, and you know what that means. Time for New Year's resolutions. We hear from quilters every year that one of their big goals is to tackle their UFOs, also known as unfinished objects. I'm here with Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More, to talk about ways to be successful with working through your pile of long-term projects. Well, you know, Lindsay, I feel very qualified to cover this topic, as without fail, I start off each new year with a plan for making progress on my pile of UFOs. You're, you're tried, a pro then. <laughs> I hope so. I've tried out lots of different strategies over the years, and most of them are pretty helpful, although you might not believe it if you peeked inside the closet where I store my UFOs, which I have affectionately nicknamed Area 51. Seemed <laughs> fitting. Uh, before I share some of my tips for tackling UFOs and some pitfalls you might want to watch out for, I wanted to ask what your UFO situation looks like. If I recall, you don't have you don't tend to have nearly as many as I do. Yeah, you're right, Joanna. I am a person who likes a neat space and things crossed off my list. So I tend to finish most of the quilts I start in a really timely manner. Um, there's just something about knowing I have unfinished things that really stresses me out and keeps me from being creative. So I just like to finish things right away. Um, but that also doesn't mean I don't have a few projects that have been hanging around for some time. <laughs> uh, I wish I were more like you. I find I start getting bored with a project if it takes me a little too long. And then I want to try the next new thing that excites me. Yeah, I think a lot of quilters can relate to that feeling, Joanna. Uh, so if our listeners are feeling overwhelmed with organizing and making progress on their UFO list, where should they start? Well, this might sound obvious, but the first part of tackling your UFOs is to not introduce too many more new UFOs while you're sorting out and finishing the ones that you have. If you're like me and find the possibilities and creativity of a fresh project exciting, try pulling some fabrics from your stash for that new project and then set them aside. Or if the pattern came with a coloring diagram, Take a little time to de-stress and color it in, giving yourself a feel for what you might do with the project if you started it. Sometimes a little bit of playing around with fabric will be enough for the moment, and since you haven't cut anything, it's not a full-scale UFO yet. This is about managing your expectations. <laughs> Many times after I pull the fabric and let it sit, I decide I didn't really want to make that pattern after all. I just wanted to admire my fabric and mess around with some color combinations. If you do decide to start the project properly, run with that enthusiasm for as long as you can. 
get as far into the project as you can before life starts getting in the way and or your interest runs out. I can't tell you how many times I've made a little progress on my UFO pile, only to add twice as many projects to it later because I started something when I was enthusiastic and then let it slide. It's so easy to do, though. There's so many good patterns up there. There really are. I think another stumbling block in the finishing process can be not remembering what part of the process you're on when you finally do come back to a UFO, especially if it's been more than a few months. So I know for me, there have been a few times where I've picked up a UFO from a few years ago, and it just seems like way too much work to figure out which pieces I had already caught, or even what my plan was for color placement. So I just put it aside again. Um, But what's really helped me is using a project tracker. So for each new project I start, I fill out all of my plans for a project and what steps I've crossed off the list. And then if I have to put it away for any reason, I can easily pick it back up again and start sewing right where I left off without the struggle and time of figuring that all out again. And we actually have a free project tracker just for this purpose, so we will link to it in our show notes if you're interested. Oh, I love project trackers so much. Keeping good notes on your project is so helpful, especially if it's something you know is probably going to become a UFO. And believe it or not, I have a few projects where I knew I wasn't going to finish them. Um, before something else came up. So notes are very, very helpful. Uh, cataloging, Cataloging your UFOs is the second step to getting control over your UFO pile. And again, those project trackers are a great way to do that cataloging since it gives you a tangible record to refer back to. I like to catalog my UFOs at the beginning of every year as just part of my New Year's resolution. You can't know what needs to be finished if you don't know what you've got. It's a big process for me as I pull everything out, and I mean everything, even those projects I've squirreled away or hidden away because I didn't want to look at them anymore, Uh, and then evaluate what needs to be done to finish those projects up, and then finally group the projects together by where they are in the process. For example, I have a lot of quilt tops that are waiting for quilting. just always tend to drag my feet at that point because once I've pieced the top, it feels kind of done to me, even though I know it's not. And I also have a few projects where I've made a block or two, but need to make more. Of course, there are always a couple of projects where I need to rip out some bad seams, but I was frustrated at the time, so I put them aside until I wasn't so frustrated. Those UFOs usually have some bad memories attached. So at this sorting stage, I don't examine the project super closely. Instead, I just pile them up so I can really see the extent of the collection and how many projects are at which stage. Yeah, I really love your system of doing things, Joanna, because I think sometimes you're just in the mood for a specific step of the process. Like sometimes you may just be in the mood to get things quilted and want to just keep loading quilts onto your long arm to get things done. Uh, But then sometimes you may be more in a sewing mood. So I think separating by these type of categories allows you to just like really capitalize on your creative flow or, you know, maybe the time and resources that you have right now. Exactly. And I know for me, I often don't want to start quilting, but once I do, I really enjoy it and kind of get in the groove. So it's nice to have a pile of them so that I can kind of get over that initial hesitation and then just enjoy the process and get a bunch of them done at once. Mm -hmm. 
So next you need to develop some solid goals. Like all helpful goals, make sure it's reasonable, that it has benchmarks along the way so you can keep track of the progress you're making. And if you can, add a deadline. You're more likely to accomplish what you set out to do if the goal adheres to those three qualities. These goals will look different for different quilters. Consider your time constraints and other daily responsibilities, how much space you have to store things, and if there are any other projects that you have lost your enthusiasm for. A good goal would be to sew for 20 minutes a day for a month and see what kind of progress you can make on multiple projects. Or maybe a good goal would be to look at some projects that are time sensitive and then assign an actual due date to them. Uh, hopefully you don't have too many time sensitive projects in your UFO bin because you're probably not gonna make those deadlines, but you never know. Sometimes there'll be one where you're trying to uh, maybe make a certain anniversary or a wedding. Or it could even be like a seasonal quilt, like you've had a Christmas quilt sitting around for years and you want to get it done before the holiday season next year. <laughs> exactly. My uh, 2020 Christmas quilt is going to be my 2021 Christmas quilt. So. Yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm suddenly ahead. I went from behind to ahead, just like that. <laughs> um, my personal goal for this year is to finish up five of the unquilted quilt tops I have stored away. That will free up a lot of space in my closet. I also have a goal to figure out what I'm doing with some orphan blocks, um, either from quilts I gave up on or that I've inherited from other quilters. I can usually find a place to donate these half-finished projects to, or I find a way to work them into a smaller project, like a bag or a pot holder. Um, but sometimes if all else fails, it's time to just part with them. Um, I tend to toss them. I know some quilters don't like to do that, but... Um, I used to have quilt guilt about it, but I'm just a lot better about it now. There's only so much time in the day, and I've tried to look at those blocks as learning experiences. I've learned the technique, I practice my skills with them, and if I can't think of anything else to do with them, it's just it's time to let them go. So also, accountability is very helpful, and consider that as you're developing your goals. It's easy to catalog your UFOs and then forget about them again once they're sorted and put away. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about it before, but the yearly UFO challenge is so helpful for keeping track of your progress, especially as you're cataloging what projects you need to work on and making goals about what you want to finish and by what date. Lindsay, do you want to share more about the UFO challenge? Yes. So if you've never heard of our UFO challenge, we're on our seventh year doing it now. And we talked about it a lot more on last week's episode, so you can listen in there or you can visit the link in our show notes for all the details. But basically, you write down 12 UFOs you want to make progress on throughout the year in our handy downloadable list. And then each month, we randomly choose a number that corresponds to a UFO on your list. And uh, we also have a Facebook group that you can uh, that can help hold yourself accountable and you can ask questions in the group and share photos of your progress. So it's, I think, really helpful and people get so excited to share their pictures that it helps motivate them to get things done. And new this year, uh, we're also hosting monthly organizing challenges to help get your sewing life in order as well. So um, in January, our organizing challenge is to sort your UFO. So uh, we'll be providing some more resources, kind of like what Joanna was sharing today about her process. Um, but I think just having that physical list of your UFOs and displaying it in your space really helps keep those projects top of mind. 
Uh, I hang my list on a cork board on um, my bookshelf of fabric, so I see it often. So I am constantly reminded of my to-do list. <laughs> that is a great idea. I also have mine pinned up near my sewing machine, and I actually keep my list from previous years. Um, sometimes the UFO won't make one year's list, but seeing it reminds me that, like, don't forget about it just because you're not prioritizing it right now. So uh, after you have your plan and your goals, you're going to need to put those projects back into storage, and this can be a little bit tricky. Depending on your sewing space, you may be able to leave a few UFOs at arm's length to keep working on them, but most likely you're going to need to store them somewhere. The upside to storing UFOs away is a decluttered space can help minimize your stress levels. Um, but again, just don't forget where they are and that they're waiting on you to finish them. I like to use clear plastic shoe boxes and store one project per box. I got my plastic shoe boxes at Target, but really you can get them pretty much anywhere. They're actually a pretty common size of plastic tub. I love them because I can see what's in there without having to dig it all the way out of the closet. And most of my projects are fairly small, so they fit in there well. Uh, sometimes I can fit a quilt top in the shoe box, but often I can't. So if it doesn't fit, I hang it up on pants hangers instead. Um, I sort most of my projects in a closet, so I have the room to do that. And then if my projects are getting out of control, I can tell by if they're overflowing the boxes. I used to keep buying more boxes to fit more projects, but now I have a set number of boxes. If I have more projects than boxes, I know it's time to force myself to finish something. That's a great idea. If, if you have more projects than you can store, it's, it's definitely time to tackle them. <laughs> Um, so do you have a storage system for these boxes or do you just kind of shove them in your closet? <laughs> um, it's kind of a little bit of both. So my sewing room is supposed to be a bedroom. So it has a large size closet that's made for clothing. Uh, I have a shelf in there and I place the shoe boxes onto the shelf in stacks based on where they are in the process. So for example, there's a shelf of needs quilting shoe boxes. When I go to work on them, everything's in one spot. Sometimes I even store the tools and specialty rulers that a project needs in the box with the fabric pieces. It's annoying when I need that specialty ruler and have to go fish it out of the appropriate box for a different project, but it does remind me that I have an unfinished project using the same technique that's waiting on me to finish. So again, that accountability factor. Just don't forget which tools are stored in which boxes because I have definitely gone out and bought duplicates of a tool by accident because I forgot that I put it with the UFO project. So uh, don't, don't do that. It gets pricey after a while, but I suppose you can't have too many good sewing tools. It's a good excuse to finish your UFO so your tools can go back where they belong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, recently, I added a vertical hanging shoe organizer to the closet. Um, it fits the space well, and since I do a lot of smaller projects like pillow covers and bags, I can keep my top six small projects in the shoe organizer for easy grab-and-go access, which frees up a little bit of my counter space. Again, it's important for my work process to see what it is that I need to work on and where all the pieces are. So that's a good way to corral some of those 
pre-cut pieces. Otherwise, my mind starts wandering, and before you know it, I've started a UFO because I just sort of forgot about the old one. My last little bit of advice for tackling UFOs in the new year is to make those projects fun again. Sometimes if they've been languishing for a while, UFO projects feel like work. Quilting is supposed to be fun. Try bringing a UFO to a virtual retreat. You'll look forward to it again because you'll get to work on it with your buddies. Or tie a reward to it. Maybe you can splurge on a tool or notion you've been wanting after you hit a particular particular UFO-related goal. You'd be surprised. A little extrinsic motivation might remind you why you liked your project in the first place. Ooh, I really like that idea. I I am always up for a reason to treat myself, so that <laughs> might be something I do this year for my UFOs. So thanks for all these tips, Joanna. I think they'll be really helpful to all of us looking to tackle our UFOs in 2021. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with designer and artist Shannon Gilman-Orr, so stay tuned. Welcome back. I'll be handing the mic over to Elizabeth, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting, for her talk with Shannon Gilman-Orr. Enjoy! So welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, Shannon. I am so excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Wow, you're so welcome. And as a fellow type A artist myself, I could not be more excited <laughs> to be chatting with you today about all things quilting and planning. Yes, type A is the best. <laughs> it really is. I love it. <laughs> so you've described yourself as an artist, an author, a lecturer, a teacher, a fabric designer, and of course, a quilter. And you've also described yourself as a reformed architect. I would love to hear more about that, your background, and just how you kind of got started quilting. Sure. So I call myself a reformed architect because I went to architecture school. I have a degree um, in architecture. I worked in the field for a couple of years, um, and I was really fortunate that I got to do all the things that I loved the most. So I was in charge of picking out materials and doing 3D renderings for the firm I was at and absolutely loved it. But I had my first baby at the same time that the recession of 2008. Hit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he was born in, in 09. And about the, a whole year later, I was like, this is just not going to fit my lifestyle from here on out. So um, I still have all of those credentials, but I've, I've really have found my place more in like the, the making side of the technical skills I have. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I, I have such a similar background too. I had never pursued that, but I thought shortly about architecture. I did a lot of set designing plan in college and yeah. was like wavered back and forth between that. And so that's very interesting. I love that. You that's my yourself... minor. My minor was in costume and set design. Oh, really? I love it. And so yeah. from that transition, you went into costume design and is that how you kind of fell in love with textiles? Yeah, I have always loved to sew. I've always loved textiles. Like in high school, I would make costumes for parties and stuff like that. Um, and in college, I actually dove into the costume design because I needed a break from the rigor of architecture school. Um, and I didn't know this, but they said I was like the first person to ever bother to do both. Oh, wow. Architecture is pretty intense. And they're like, you have time for this? And I'm like, it's more of a need. I need yeah. to sew. I need to do something else. Um, so yeah, the I, I've costumed several like productions and it was about the same time I was costuming productions on the side that I learned how to quilt. Okay. And you just kind of yeah. picked it up. Was there a history in your family of quilters or you just kind of no. fell into it? <laughs> 
No, I am the, I am the only quilter, like on both sides of my family, nobody has ever quilted. So okay. I actually got into it because I went to like a show and tell activity at church, I think. And this lady held up meh, quilts that like, I remember the eighties were really mm-hmm. mauvey and yes. maroon. And I'm like, mm, no thanks. I think my entire, my like, grandmother's entire house was all mauve, mauve oh, yes. carpet, everything. <laughs> and like periwinkle blue and yes. cream and fabric was pretty ugly. And I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, so she, <laughs> She was really the one who was like, well, that's what I used to do, but here's what I do now. And she mm-hmm. held up these gorgeously bright, colorful, free motion quilted applique quilts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, please teach me how to do that. Like yeah. that looks so interesting. Um, and at that point I had quit my architecture job. I was at home with a new baby and I was so bored. Yeah. Neither like, the new creative are adorable, outlet. <laughs> but it's so boring. So um, yeah, well, they're so not I great conversationalists when they're that young. <laughs> <laughs> not really. They don't talk a lot yet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're still learning to sleep all night. So right. I basically planted myself on her doorstep and I begged her to teach me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but I, again, like I hadn't looked at fabric, quilting fabric since I was like in high school. Mm-hmm. So over that time, all of the really popular, bright colored, like Heather Bailey was popular. Yeah. Um, Amy Butler, like all of these amazing artist women on textiles really opened my eyes and so my friend was like come come look at the good stuff and so she opened this box and it was like candy Ugh, i'm like I love it oh my gosh this is amazing so i also didn't have any money um because we were newlywed mm-hmm. just out of college and um she let me use all of her old ugly fabric to make my first quilt okay that was and very generous <laughs> it was and i was like can i use the the heather bailey stuff and she's like no no you have to work <laughs> up to that <laughs> yeah she's like we'll work up to that so she really like pointed me in the direction and she's like we'll go find a pattern mm-hmm. but because of my background i'm like well i can draw yeah so can't i just draw something and she looked at me like okay you're new at this and i don't <laughs> want to crush your dreams but no like right. that's you have no idea what you're doing. And I really <laughs> was stubborn about it. And I'm like, no, I really think I do know what I'm doing. And I would love to just draw something. And then you tell me if we can make it happen. Yeah. And did, I drew. Did your background yeah. in architecture and like dealing with models and numbers and math, did all that really help you get started? Yeah. I mean, architecture math is super complicated. Sure. So to go to quilting math and just have to do fractions, I'm like, oh, this is easy, easy peasy. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't have to deal with like weight loads or, you know, yeah. like nobody's that. life so, depends on a quilt holding them up. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, so that was a nice change of pace. And I brought her this drawing full of like, my little boy was into trucks. Mm. And so the whole quilt was covered in trucks. And she's like, these are all going to be applique. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, bring it on. Let's do it. And yeah, she really like encouraged me and let me loose. She taught me how to free motion quilt. Wow. I sewed through my thumb. It was great. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, you didn't bleed on the quilt, so you're a professional now. Yeah, perfect. And I've been quilting for like, you know, a week. Yeah, so. you're like, you're already a professional. <laughs> yeah. She sounds great. super encouraging. <laughs> she was very encouraging. And she was actually the one that was like, oh, you should try, if you like this, maybe you should try fabric design. Mm, yeah, That's, that sounds like an amazing relationship there. Someone to encourage you along this oh, journey. She was so great and exactly what I needed at that time. And yeah, really kind of planted that seed for me to think about being a a textile designer. Yeah. And do you still have that very first quilt you made? I do. My son will not give it up. He's he's almost 14. And I'm like, it's kind of, I made it enormous. It's like slightly bigger than a twin. Okay. 
And I'm like, are you sure? Like, you're kind of a little more mature than all those little trucks. And he's like, but this is my favorite. Like, he right. won't give it up. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. I love it. And he was able to grow into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, he grew growing. into it and he's never going to let it go. I'm hoping by the time he goes to college, he might get a little embarrassed. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like hidden and tucked away for safekeeping. <laughs> if anything, because I've become a better quilter. Right. That like first one. you're more embarrassed than he is about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I love hearing that story about your background. Oh, thanks. Um, so let's transition and talk a little bit more about your planner. So we're, you know, starting to think about 2021 here um, and quilters are starting to think about organizing their projects and completing their UFOs. And you've created a great resource to help quilters with this. Can you share a little bit about the idea behind the Plan to Quilt Organizer and where that all started? Yes. So Plan to Quilt honestly was a result of my own need to get organized. Um, so now that I've learned how to quilt, I had like little sketchbooks, little scraps of paper, little post-it notes. Like it just was kind of a disaster and I felt a little um, disoriented Okay. because at this point, like I was designing patterns but i was learning how to read other people's patterns mm -hmm. and of course i think patterns are guidelines and so i always change the math <laughs> um and i'm like this is crazy like i can't keep my head straight and i'm making mistakes and mistakes are expensive because it means you cut something wrong mm -hmm. so i really um, spent the time to pull it all together and create a format and so i developed plan to quilt um and it's really been this amazing thing that was out of a necessity for me to mm -hmm. get organized and now it's so, helping thousands and thousands of other quilters i know that's what's amazing is that's so awesome. i i put it together like super um scrappy copy and i just like binder clipped it together and i put mm -hmm. a picture on instagram and i'm like hey i have a planner but there's no calendar it's strictly about the projects mm -hmm. and i took it to quilt market with me and before i left and i was no one at quilt market like people didn't know who I was. <laughs> um Anyway, so I, I had been with Moda for like two years, I think. Okay. And because of the picture on Instagram, I actually think it was Lindsay who came to find me. And she's like, are you the lady with the planner? And I <laughs> of was course, like, Lindsay found you as a planner. <laughs> I guess, but I was yeah. like, sure. But I had one copy and I was so scared to let it out of my sight that yeah. I took it to the ladies room with me. I took it to lunch with me. <laughs> it was <laughs> it like your treasure. <laughs> like, I know because I didn't, I didn't know what I had. I mm -hmm. was like, this is just really helpful for me. Um, and what I've been able to do is now there's like, I think I've sold over 4,000 copies. Wow. Yeah. And it's totally self-published and people are really loving it, getting organized mm -hmm. and it doesn't expire. So at the end of the year, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know who actually quilts to a calendar. Yeah. You might quilt cause you have like a wedding or a graduation. Right. You have um, deadlines maybe. You have deadlines, yeah. but you don't have like a, oh, it's Monday. I should do binding. Right. So instead this is really like rolls over and there's room for 42 projects. Wow. That's a lot. So, I mean, depending on how proficient of a quilter you are, this could last you a yeah. while or you could go through yeah. it really quickly and be able to buy a new one at any time. Right. And so I have some people who buy like two or three at a time because they're really fast quilters. Sure. And then there's other people who like they buy one and it could last them years. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And I'm sure there's people too that do a lot of charity work. Like my mother does a lot of things for Quilts of Valor. So I could see them her having like a separate planner for the Quilts of Valor yeah. charity projects and then more for like personal gift giving. For sure. So. And I also really love that it allows you to go back in time and be like, what fabric did I use? Like I want, it's almost like a scrapbook journal for quilting. So yeah. glue in your swatches, draw the things, write down all of the colors, what fabric, what pattern, mm -hmm. what collection, what designer. 
because then if you have aspirations to make a quilt, you can put them in here. Yeah. If you don't have time to get there yet, or you can go back and be like, man, what was that quilt that I gave away? It was so pretty. Mm -hmm. What I did I use? That's such a good thing to say, because I think a lot of quilters um, could benefit from documenting everything that they've done. And I love that yeah. you include blank pages in the planner. So people can include projects or pictures of their finished projects. And also mm -hmm. you have a section where they can tell the quilt story. Um, behind it, which is such a great thing for quilters, because sometimes you give away quilts and, and you've forgotten what you've made over the years. And yeah, I love that you can reflect on this and look back at them. And a lot of those design changes, because this is now the third edition, um, have been iterations from feedback I've gotten from people. Oh, that's great. So like people who had bought initially, it was three little books that only held 12 projects. Okay. Um, and then it's turned into one big one and people really want it. They're like, I would love to write down the story. Mm -hmm. Like maybe this is made of my grandpa's t-shirts Yeah. or maybe this is made of somebody's baby clothes. And so writing the story about who it's for, why you made it, even if it's as simple mm -hmm. as I love this fabric and I wanted to use it. Yeah. And I, then I worked on this at a quilt retreat with my friends and yeah, yeah just remembering memory, those memories. What a memory documentation. And I don't think as quilters, we, we make things that hold a lot of memory, mm -hmm. but are we pausing to take the time to write it down? Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. We, we need to do more and more of that for sure. Yeah. And I, and I love, I noticed a feature you added in there um, that there's a place where you can rate your joy level while making this project. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so cute. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So at the bottom of all of the planning sets, there's a little uh, sequence of hearts and you are just supposed to color them in like how much did you love this quilt because there are those quilts that you're like I just got to get this done or yes. fabric I don't love <laughs> or this fabric and this quilt and this project means a lot to me mm -hmm. and I would make it again yeah so, so then you can flip through your binder and and look at all those five you know five hearts that you've rated them for joy yeah. that's great I love that that little touch it's all about those little features you've added throughout well, and the it's whole also, book it's also really important to me that people um make with intention mm. so there are those quilts that you're like that one's amazing I'm just going to make it and then there's yeah. others that like really mean a lot to you and so the process of making is very calming and soothing especially during this wacko year that we yeah. had <laughs> you know to take the time to make something and then to pause the very end and be like huh mm -hmm. how much did this bring joy to my life right and remember yeah. that and maybe make it again when you feel you know you need another project that sparks joy you know absolutely yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love it. So in addition to the plan to quilt project organizer, you also offer a color theory course. And we hear a lot of feedback from quilters um, that read our magazines and listen to our podcasts that choosing fabric and colors is something that they really struggle with. Can you tell us a little bit more about your color theory course? Yeah. So the course is called Lemonade Color Theory for Quilters. And it is totally a combination of um, you know, picking paint colors for people or is that architecture background coming forward. Mm -hmm. But um, as it's tricky, even as a fabric designer, because we design in collections, but quilters may not find the right project for the right collection, mm -hmm. or you go to the fabric store and they don't always organize it by collection or by color. Um, sometimes it's by genre, like uh, reproduction fabrics or stuff like that. Yeah. So I really wanted to teach people the basics of color theory, but also how it applies to scale, design, um, placement, color placement within a pattern. Mm -hmm. And so this course really breaks it down. So I have a lot of fun friends who 
showed me great examples. And then I also have some quilts that I pulled off the internet that are like, meh. Yeah. And I went through and I'm like, look, here's a better way to do this. Or here's so-and-so who did it really well. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to give people all those tools. And so it's an online course, but you get sent a manual workbook and a manual color wheel. Um, Cause I want you to be able to understand the mechanics behind color and why it works the way it does. Okay. Especially so just- as quilters. Cause we chop it all up and sew it back together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we're always playing with scraps and pulling from our stash and trying to, you know, put things in order. So it really sounds like this course goes beyond just color theory and you're giving them lots of examples and it's, and it's more than just like, this is a complimentary color. Oh yeah. Because then I don't think a lot, if you are not an artist, you weren't ever taught what a complimentary color actually means or does. Right. Um, and just throwing the vocab out there, people are like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. So when I, you know, pre 2020, I was teaching this class in person. And it was great because we were in a fabric store. And I would say, go pick out this kind of a fabric. And then we're going to choose fabrics to go with it. Mm-hmm. Kind of and starting with really... like a focal fabric and going from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'd like start the focal fabric. Um, and then some people just really struggle if a fabric has a lot of colors mm-hmm. to really hone in and be like, okay, these are actually the four colors or the six colors I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. So I teach people how, you know, the magic of the selvage dots on the bottom. Oh, yeah. There's a perfect. lot of key colors that the manufacturers already give you. Mm-hmm. Like a little um, cheat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cheat sheet. It's a cheat sheet for how to pick fabric. Um, yeah. And not just at the fabric store, but in your own stash at home. I want people to love on what they already have. So mm-hmm. shop your stash, but do it smartly and do it so the choices you make make sense, not only as a stack together, but once you... Mm-hmm you know, splice and sew them all back together that composition wise, makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. No, oh, that sounds like a great course. I love that. It's, it's very in depth. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. So you're also a talented artist, illustrator, and you've designed a couple or numerous fabric collections yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about your design process and where your inspiration comes when you're working on a new collection? Yeah. Um, so I've been really fortunate. I had three collections with Moda and now I'm doing collections on my own. And, um, I love to tell stories. And I think it's that theater background in me that everything has a story. Um, and so all of the collections are from places we've lived. We have been very fortunate to move a lot. <laughs> um, and so right now I live in, in the California Bay Area, but um, they have been inspired by woodlands that I've lived in, or I like, I love Mary Poppins. So okay. there was a whole collection that was designed around, if Mary Poppins had a house, what would it look like? Oh, that's fun. And, <laughs> I, I really try and imagine like a whole scenario and a whole um, visual story. If I am in this place, what do I see? What do I mm-hmm. feel? And what kind of memories come back to me? Mm, that sounds so fun. I love that process. That sounds great. And storytelling, that's amazing. Once again, it just ties back into quilting and telling stories through our quilts. It does. And I think it's how people resonate. People resonate with story. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So we're seeing your designs come to life and other things you sell in your online shop besides fabric, but also in stationary apparel and pins. I know I'm particularly in love with your one little word pin club, um, which features a set of, you know, inspirational words on them. So have you always been interested in expanding your designs into all these other mediums or beyond fabric? Yeah, I think as soon as I realized that I could put my artwork on fabric, it really kind of cracked this whole licensing world open um, or even producing my own products like what else can I put it on mm-hmm. um, and so each with each collection I tend to expand that surfaces so 
um, I got into enamel pins and needle minders, which are so pretty. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're so just cute. <laughs> really shiny and fun. Um, and then to be able to put things on like tea towels and note cards that, mm -hmm. you know, quilts are wonderful, but there's so many other places in your life that you can have a little bit of fun and joy. And yeah. I think putting my art on those other things really is great. Mm -hmm. They're so fun. I love them so much. I, I'm excited to see what else you come out with. So, oh, thank you. Keep, keeping an eye on your online shop for sure. <laughs> So speaking of that, do you have anything new coming up that you want to share with our listeners today? Yes. So um, I'm working on it right now. And next year, I'm going to be releasing um, two new collections of fabric and products. But I'm also really excited about a new course that I'm launching called Full Bloom. Okay. It's a bold business course for creatives. Oh, that sounds and amazing. So, um, I, think, I think it'll be really fantastic. It's really um, comes from a, a place of heart for me and dealing with uh, slumps creatively or how mm -hmm. to stay inspired or how to um, find not just like your niche and your passion. I think those words are overused, but really your purpose okay. and you know, what can your art bring to the world? And so for me, my art, I want to share joy and beauty in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and it's taken me a long time to kind of find that and land on that. And I really want to help other people do that too. Oh, that sounds like another great course. I love it. Oh, thanks. Well, good luck <laughs> with all of that. That sounds amazing. Um, I'm sure we'll link everything down below in the in the show notes. So if people have questions, they can look up those courses and products later too. But um, I have so enjoyed our conversation together. I'd love to end with a little bit of fun. And I just okay. want to end with some rapid fire questions. So love it. I have five of them here for you. So the first one is, do you have a favorite time of day when you like to quilt or when you're feeling the most creative? I love to make in the mornings. So I'm like at like nine o'clock. It's like my prime time. Okay. So I, I love those morning hours. I am not a night owl. Like, okay. Yeah. By 9 p.m. I'm in pajamas and I'm done. So morning is definitely my, my prime create time. Great. Now your sewing space, would you describe yourself as your sewing space as an organized and tidy space or do you thrive in more of a creative whirlwind? Um, I can't handle a whirlwind. I think yeah. it's my type A. Like I like my creative space to be very neat. So I do what I called I call it Monday, Monday up, tidy up. And mm -hmm. I just set like a 10 minute timer and pick up all of the clutter that's accumulated over the week so I can start fresh every Monday. Love it. That's great. I might have to borrow that phrase. Did you call <laughs> it Monday Monday tidy up? Monday up, tidy up. Monday up, tidy up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you said earlier that many of your fabric collections are inspired by places you've lived and traveled to. Um, I know travel is a little hard right now, but are there any destinations still on your bucket list that you still want to visit or maybe revisit in the future? Um, a couple of years ago, we got to go to Paris and that mm -hmm. was the most magical city I've been to. But um, I think I would like to go somewhere tropical next. Oh, that sounds great. Lying on Doesn't a beach it? somewhere. <laughs> I would go right there with you. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, and what is a career moment that you're the most proud of? Oh, if you can um, narrow it down. <laughs> that's really hard. I, I think I've actually had two really big turning points. One was um, when I got up the courage to submit my portfolio and got signed with Moda Fabrics. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. But the next one right after that was when I decided that I can produce things myself. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and that has been really wonderful to expand my artwork in my business that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that evolution. Yeah. And one other thing, what is something that's brought you joy recently? Oh, I love joy. It's like <laughs> my, my favorite topic. Yeah. Um, 
Well, something that's brought me joy recently. So thanks to this, this banana year, um, I have really, <laughs> I love to walk, but I've been being very mindful about walking every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, where before it was like, oh, I think I'll go to like 2020. I really hit on, I go for a walk every day. Um, and I used to fill it full of podcast time. And now I've really been just letting my brain be quiet. That's really important. Um, it's been really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Very intentional. You got to be intentional about joy. I think you do. You have to be really conscious about, you know, what are you filling your life with? Yeah. Great. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. I've loved our conversation and I'm sure our listeners will also enjoy hearing about all the great things you have going on. Um, We'll be sure to share information with all of them in the show notes, but um, can you just share with our listeners the best way they can find and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is on Instagram at Eva B Makery. um, And I'm also at Eva B Makery.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Shannon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved Elizabeth's chat with Shannon. Like Shannon said in the interview, I stalked her at a trade show a few years ago because I just loved her plan to quilt organizer. Now it's on its third edition, and we just love the new design so much that we actually just featured it in our February issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, which is on newsstands now. Shannon has really found her stride in the quilting world, and I absolutely love everything she produces. We'll link to her website, social media sites, and all the resources she mentioned in the interview so that you can connect with her more. Before we leave today, we wanted to ask for your help. Our podcast, after 11 years, is coming to our 500th episode. Isn't that amazing? Our 500th episode airs February 1st, 2021, and we're planning to do something special. Our staff will be on hand to answer listener questions. We're calling the show Ask Us Anything, and we want to hear questions from you. So you can shoot us your questions in an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. We'll have that email in the show notes. We're so looking forward to hearing from you and making this episode something really extra special. Everyone have a safe and fun start to your new year. We'll chat with you again in 2021.